morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, April 25th. Young people anxious about climate. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. COVID-19 cases are going up in San Diego County. Last week, more than 2,200 cases were reported. That's about 300 more cases than the previous week. Dr. Francesca Torriani is the program director for infection prevention at UC San Diego Health. We opened further opened up uh, society uh, in San Diego and uh, across the world. So because we still have circulating cases and because now the BA2 variant is predominant, that's what we're seeing, right? It's kind of expected. She expects to see more cases, but thanks to vaccines, not as many hospitalizations. Toriani recommends wearing a mask and getting tested if you're feeling sick. St. Martin of Tours Academy in La Mesa has been named a U.S. Department of Education Green Ribbon School. It's in recognition of efforts to reduce its impact on the environment. Only four California schools made the national list of Green Ribbon Schools and only 27 nationwide. California Superintendent of Public Instruction Tony Thurmond says the schools maintain sustainable practices and environmental education through challenges created by the pandemic. Weekend Santa Ana conditions are expected to continue today. The Weather Service says San Diego County will see wind gusts up to 35 miles per hour near the foothills and through the mountain passes. Temperatures are expected to be warmer than normal for this time of the year, with temperatures nearing 100 in Borrego Springs. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. A new poll finds that 80% of Gen Z youth in California have experienced anxiety, stress, or feelings of being overwhelmed as a result of learning about climate change. KQED reporter Anais Afiliolino reports. Young adult Californians worry more than older generations about climate change. That's according to a new poll from insurance company Blue Shield. But the vast majority are also engaged in climate activism and conversations about these issues. Hannah Estrada worries about climate change, but she puts her energy into organizing. When we get on Zoom calls and there's young people organizing from different parts of the Bay Area or the country, there's hope in there. There's a lot of hope and optimism when you come together with community. Estrada is with Oakland's Youth versus the Apocalypse a climate justice organization. For the California Report, I'm Anais Ofelia Lino.
San Diego is falling short of its goals to generate zero waste by 2040. The city was supposed to divert 75% of its waste from landfills by 2020, but today only 65% of that waste is diverted. Ken Prue is the deputy director of the City of San Diego's Environmental Services Department. He spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. So in the city's step-by-step plan to get to zero waste, we were supposed to divert 75% of our trash from landfills by 2020, but apparently the latest numbers for 2019 only show 65% diversion rate. Why is that? We haven't seen some of the new organic waste diversion that uh, we had expected and and hoped for. And there have been challenges with the pandemic and with just global recycling markets and things like that. But we've been very fortunate that the the city of San Diego's waste diversion rate has stayed in the kind of mid to high 60s for a number of years. And in a way, you know, it's not as high as we'd like. But the fact that it stayed there while we've seen increased population and also employment growth, which those are things that usually lead to increased waste generation. So we're glad that we haven't declined, but we're also looking forward to the additional increases that we'll see here in the new future with the new state organic waste recycling requirement. Now, a report from CAP Radio last year estimated that 20 to 40 percent of the trash Californians put in their recycle bins actually ends up in landfills. What are the reasons for that? Oftentimes, there'll be either a contamination or residue, if you will, that from the process that is somewhere in, in the, generally the high teens to hopefully around 20%. Some areas have higher. It's sometimes it's from containers that are plastic containers that are full, maybe a, a peanut butter jar that's half full or something. Or unfortunately, a lot of times it could be where someone's well-intentioned and they put in items that are not accepted in the program. It's kind of that wishful recycling where you put it in there and, and, and kind of hope that they're going to find a way to recycle your garden hose or your bicycle tires or you know, var- various things that not only are they not actually accepted in the blue bin, they actually complicate the sorting because some of these things, say a garden hose, can get wrapped up in all the machinery that is used to separate the materials. And so it, you know, it actually can really make the process much more challenging. And talk about challenging. A new state law that went into effect this year requires that cities begin organic waste recycling. How is San Diego rolling out that program? It's happening on a number of levels. And thankfully, we're building on great programs that we were already implementing because for a number of years, we've done what we call our commercial food scraps recycling program, where we work with large generators. And basically, they separate their food scraps and we send them for composting. We also do a lot with those generators with uh, edible food recovery and encouraging donation and putting it to better use, say, than composting. Because if you can take it and feed people with that edible food or, or even to feed animals, that, that's a better thing than even getting to the point of composting it. And and then as far as getting it to the actual residents, for the, the homes that are serviced by the city of San Diego, we've gone through and we've thankfully been, been granted the budget by our, our city council and, and mayor to take the steps to prepare for, for the organic waste recycling implementation. So last June, we ordered the new collection trucks that we need, and we're in the process of hiring the drivers, and we have the containers lined up. There, there's all these pieces coming together, and currently we expect to begin uh, delivering those new containers and service to the city service service residents uh, in January. And then on the other side, a lot of the uh, multifamily properties, so a lot of apartments and condos and, and all the businesses 
they're serviced by private companies. And so those haulers are, are ramping up their services because with the new organic waste recycling requirement, it requires basically anyone and everyone in the, in the state to recycle their organic materials. So their food scraps, their yard trimmings and other related materials. So multifamily units and commercial units are, are going to be recycling organic waste, let's say, in the next few months. Residential neighborhoods should be getting all that information by January. How much waste is the new organic recycling program supposed to divert from landfills? Based on our most recent waste characterization study, 15% of all, all that's thrown into a landfill is actually food. So not even getting into the other organic materials such as yard trimmings or non-hazardous wood waste or things. Just, just food by itself is 15% of everything that gets thrown away. And so there's a lot of material there to be recovered or potentially recovered. And you know, there's a lot of efforts to help educate people and just ultimately get everybody in the habit. And then there'll be significant amounts of, of diversion and benefits that go with that. And that was Ken Prue, Deputy Director of the City of San Diego's Environmental Services Department. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. California may see longer wait times and higher costs for abortion services due to restrictions in other states. The California Report's Alex Hall has more. California residents may see increased wait times and costs for abortion services due to restrictions in other states. Jody Hicks, president of Planned Parenthood Affiliates of California, says the organization is already seeing rising demand at Planned Parenthood centers across the state. It will not just be people in other states that will suffer increased wait times, increased costs, or worse, Californians could too. Because as we know, the need for abortion services does not disappear just because an extreme politician puts a ban in place. Hicks says centers here have seen an average of 80 out-of-state patients a month since Texas imposed new abortion restrictions. She says hundreds of new abortion restrictions have been introduced in 40 states as of the start of this year, with more on the way. Coming up, Jacob's high-tech high students are learning to work with wood. They make that connection of, I had this experience when I was at high school and it was called wood shop. But what they come to find actually is that this is a biology classroom and an environmental science classroom. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
There's some creative learning happening this spring at Jacobs High Tech High in Liberty Station. Students are building their way through the biology and humanities curriculum. KPBS education reporter MG Perez tells us how hardware is making a difference in these classrooms. And then let's do the first one and I'll kind of show you the nail gun. We need to refill this today. Pat Holder is a humanities teacher who uses a nail gun and a hammer and even a saw. Mr. Holder is in the middle of a lesson with his class of 11th grade students at Jacobs High Tech High. The tools are for the furniture they're building while learning about the origins of life, starting with the Big Bang. We think learning happens best through projects, right? And projects give us a chance to um, do hands-on work, design things and bring them to life. And we can do it all related to the content areas that we teach. We're gonna set you guys up by the bandsaw. Students in the high-tech, high-charter school system are used to unconventional learning. But this is really outside the box. The handmade wooden box, that is. Or maybe a table. Belen Perea is a junior who says she's learned a lot and gained some real scientific perspective working with wood. When you're working with a piece of wood, this thing was alive. That this thing had its place on the earth for like hundreds of thousands of years. That it evolved millions and millions of years to become the thing that it is today. And you are working with it to like aid you in your daily life. Down the hall, students are designing and building more furniture, led by John Santos, who has 18 years of experience teaching environmental science. There are tools hanging on every wall. Visitors to his classroom are often confused, looking around the learning space. Here's what they tell him. And they make that connection of, I had this experience when I was at high school and it was called Woodshop. But what they come to find actually is that this is a biology classroom and an environmental science classroom. Uh, so should I cut those then to 10 degrees In the mornings, there are much more traditional lessons involving laptops and learning about data collection, science experiments, and assessments. But after lunch each day, students collaborate and create for almost two and a half hours before the final bell rings. Isaiah Castro hopes to be accepted at UC San Diego. He's taking honors math right now, along with building a table. So like you might see a table, but I see it as something that's like super complex. It started out as like a single atom and it turned into everything that's around us. The classroom concepts aren't always so abstract. There is a large wooden canoe-shaped boat hanging from the ceiling that was built by some of Mr. Santos's science students. There were a couple of lessons learned with that project, he says. You're doing something that you never believed you could do by way of building a boat, but then you're also doing something like understanding our impact on the coastal environment. Sawing and sanding continue throughout the afternoon. Students are also using cameras to capture stop-motion photography that will document every step of their wood-making projects. So I really do like um, bio biology and that kind of stuff, but just I don't like math. 16-year-old Zemzem Fadhil is direct when she speaks. She admittedly changes her mind often, not sure what she wants to be when she grows up. But she is sure working with wood is going to help her get there. When you build things on your own, you end up appreciating it way more. And it's kind of like when you're like cooking, like if you cook your own food, you're gonna appreciate it a lot more. All the furniture built this semester in the science and humanities classes will be sold at the end of the school year as a fundraiser. 
As for making a good grade in these classes, that's unconventional too. Pat Holder assesses each of his students individually. We have learners of different talents, of different levels coming into our space, so I'm not going to ask them to answer a singular question or do a singular task. That is creative learning. These students will now add to their toolbox. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. A local boutique coffee company brought home a big prize at a recent U.S. coffee championships. Nick Berardi of Moster Coffee was named the best coffee roaster in the country. KPBS North County reporter Alexander Wynn has more. And in first place, moving on to Worlds in Milan, Nick Berardi. With that, Mostra head roaster Nick Barardi won the roaster awards at the coffee championships in Boston earlier this month. It was pretty intense for uh, for three days. Barardi was up against some of the top roaster from around the country. They had to evaluate unroasted coffee for defects, submit a roasting plan, and of course, roast the coffee. So, what makes for a good coffee roast? We kind of joke around and say that a coffee is done when it, it speaks to us. It's both an art and a science. Barati is now preparing for the World Championships in June in Milan. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.